This episode was recorded on the land of the Narago people. Welcome to Teacher Insights from Catalyst, the podcast that explores the science of learning and its practical implementation in the classrooms of Catholic Education, Canberra Goulburn. I'm your host, Luke Mooney, and in each episode, we'll hear from teachers and leaders who are leading the way in implementing evidence-based teaching practice. Today, I chat with Stephanie Cook, the K-6 Coordinator and Learning Support Leader at St. Patrick's Primary School in Cooma, New South Wales. In this episode, we explore intervention structures for students that require additional support, insights for monitoring progress with Dibbles data, and how Steph collaborates with her Classroom Support Assistants, or CSAs, to effectively implement programs such as Minilit and MacLit. Steph also shares with us some of her insights from her school immersion trip to Perth. This is a great episode for anyone who wants to learn more about intervention structures and supporting students in learning to read. Let's get started. Hi Steph, welcome to Teacher Insights. Thanks Luke, thanks for having me. Steph, to start with, can you tell us about your school at St Pat's in Cooma and what your role is? Uh, yep, we're a growing school here at St Pat's, K-10, split campuses. We have secondary, primary and infants campus um, with yeah, steadily growing numbers. And that's due um, in part to the uh, Snowy Hydro scheme, the expansion there, um, getting lots of EALD students, which has um, really changed our demographic for the better. Um, I'm the K-6 campus coordinator as well as um, classroom support teacher for primary and part-time year two teacher. You've been on a journey with Catalyst for a while now. What professional learning have you been involved in and how's that helping you in your role? Um, so much, really. Um, where to start? Uh, from the very beginning, just constant over the last couple of years um, from a HITP immersion trip in Perth, which was kind of career-changing for me. Um what sort then, of things did you learn over there in Perth? Um, just really kind of saw in action, I guess. Um, we were just at, poised at the beginning of our Catalyst journey here at school, but just kind of seeing how that was going to translate, well, how I hope that it will translate in our schools. Um, schools that had been on the journey, you know, 10, 12 years in, um, we're just at the beginning, but it was kind of really heartening to see that it can happen um, in practice. And I think for me the penny just dropped with a lot of the um, – the theory and the research that we were starting to um, delve into from our end um, and now we're on our way to also transla- translating that into practice. Um, only this year I'm completing the HITP um, study with TeachWell um, and with things such as the Sharing Best Practice Conference in Canberra recently, um, regional curriculum workshops that we um, were involved in with our southern region teachers and the networking that happens there um, is kind of really cementing um, this for for me and for us um, at our school. Uh, And a few optional things that I've um, taken on as well. Started last year with a course through Spelled, um, teacher's certificate course. That was another career-changing experience, to be honest. That was a six-month experience. course in looking at learning um, specific learning difficulties and strategies for support and intervention I just found it such a practical um, practical uh, set of tools that I use on a daily basis now um, and have since recommended that other teachers at our school participate in and they've um, they've had the same feedback and then because I loved that so much um, 
I've uh, taken on this year a graduate certificate with Edith Cowan Uni in WA with a learning difficulties specialisation, which again is just really um, deepening my understanding of um, of the theory that, that we're um, going through through Catalyst. Um, so two units I've completed so far has been um, a... Uh, direct instruction and teaching effectiveness in special education, um, highly useful given our, um, our direction now and, and another one in learning difficulties just to really kind of um, deepen my understanding of, of how students learn to read and what to do when, when it's not working the way that we, um, we would hope. So yeah, lots of learning, lots more to do, but I'm really enjoying it. So what have you learned about the science of reading in the last 12 months? Um, first thing was how much I really didn't know about reading, pretty much. Um, it's, as I said, of the, the teacher I am now compared to the one that I was when I first came to St. Pat's is, um, they're just two different people. Um, really? Yeah. So I, I always taught year five and six before coming here. Um, and the hope was that they would come to me knowing how to read. That wasn't always the case. And I really didn't have the tools and the knowledge to, um, to be able to best assist them, whereas now I feel I've still got a lot, lot to learn and, and can certainly refine my practice, but um, have you know tools in my tool belt to go make some diagnoses, what's happening, and some things that um, that we can do both in class in and in an intervention setting. Um, so everything from the simple view of reading, cognitive load theory, information processing model, just understanding um, and then kind of seeing what it looks like in practice, um, how how we learn. Um, changes that that we can make to our teaching to um to better meet the needs of the kids and and a lot of the stuff was not new but I've certainly been able to tweak and do things much better for a, for a much better result. Um, and the you know five big ideas of reading, um, having a really fine grained understanding now of um, of some really complex um, content um, in what reading involves and then how they all work together um, so that students can. Um, perform the complex task of reading. Um, I think now with this big focus on the science of reading, phonics, 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 phonics gets um, a lot of the attention and there's a perception um, of some that, that that's all there is to it. Well, it's not. Um, certainly very important having a synthetic um, explicit phonics program, uh, but reading fluency, the importance of vocabulary, um, comprehension, uh, as those other ideas of reading that are um, of kind of equal importance when you look at the at Scarborough's reading rope, um, how everything intertwines. You, you can't have um, skilled reading without all of those components. Um, so my understanding has really deepened there where all of those aspects fit in, how they um, kind of interweave with each other, uh, build on each other in, in some cases, um, and and the emphasis that you need on um, on all of them and, and oral language, I suppose, to... Um, to yeah, perform this really complex skill of, of reading. There's an um, article that I do come back to often um, by Louisa Motes, reading is rocket science. It is. Um, it's not easy and you need a real depth of knowledge to be able to teach it really well. Uh, and, yeah, I'm just excited about um, my recent learning and the more I do it, the more I understand, um, the more exposures, kind of like with the kids, I guess. Um, we're just kind of this relentless... Um, pursuit of, of really good um, quality practice in the classroom. So we know the importance of Catalyst is on whole class, core instruction for all and responding accordingly. What have you seen change at your school? 
Uh, heaps. I get, yeah, that classroom level as that, that really important tier one um, instruction as your first line of defence against um, instructional casualties, um, I suppose. So really maximising uh, instructional time, uh, teaching with, with urgency, kind of, um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time really at school to do all the things we need to do. And then you take out, you know, all your other valuable, but but um, time-consuming bits and pieces, assemblies and events and so forth. Um, we've really got to make use of the time that we have in the classroom um, and, and aim to be implementing gold standard um, tier one level instruction as that first line. Um, and, and that response to intervention model has been a, a real game changer for me, for us. Um, again, still lots of work to do here, um, but we're getting into a really good um, pattern of regular data monitoring um, via dibbles initially, <clears throat> um, other various um, various data collection methods, and then most importantly is, is what to do in response to that data. Um, so things we can do at the classroom level, um, teacher-led interventions, and then also our, um, our small group and our one-on-one, -on -one. Um, and building teacher knowledge here has been um, really critical uh, and, and yeah, we're on a great path, I think. You mentioned earlier that you went over to Perth on an immersion trip. I was also blessed to, to go on that trip too. Can you tell us a bit about a bit more about that um, trip and what were what did you learn from their experience there? Was there any schools that um, stuck out to you as particularly interesting? Um, I think the most remarkable, thing was the consistency across all of the schools and you would have seen that yourself um they couldn't pull out of their pocket what what they showed for us um on our visits around it came from many hard years of, of work and refinement um and as I said before that relentless pursuit for improvement um knowing that everyone's a learner teachers alike and just constantly going where are we at um and how can we keep moving forward? So the similarities and common themes across all of the schools um, was amazing to see. They're all different contexts, primary, secondary, uh, new schools that had just started up, old schools that had made big changes, um, schools with a low socioeconomic background, uh, all of them punching above their weight and all of them doing really similar things in the classroom. And um, just seeing that from class to class and school to school, the consistency um, was that was key for me, just going, yep, that that works. Um, whatever they were doing, they were all doing it together, moving in the same direction. One of the things that I saw when I was over there too, from what you're saying, was that alignment across schools, but within the school itself, that there was a, an alignment from, um, to, from the top all the way through to the school, that um, if one thing was implemented, that the fidelity was in place and those checks for understanding for the understanding, I guess, through staff as well, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, staff empowerment, um, high accountability with high support, and that's how, how they were meeting these goals, really. Um, they kind of, no excuses, we're all singing from the same songbook, it's not choose your own adventure. There were a few little quotes that I actually jotted down from there, but with that was, um, was the support from the school system point of view, leadership team to go, this is this is what we are doing. No ifs or buts, however, we'll um, we're here to support you um, with with whatever you need, the learning, the practice, um, the collaboration, the modeling, um, so that teachers could be um, enacting this in in their classroom. 
um, and from and at a couple of schools in particular, but from from the leadership team down or from the you know classroom support assistant team up, um, everyone was on board, um, and one in particular, the, the value that they placed on their roles of, of classroom support assistants was um, really apparent, uh, and that's that's a big thing that I've brought back um, and, and I'm trying to work on here um, with our classroom support assistants. Everyone, if, if that's what the school stands for and they want to do, the relief teachers, the as I said, yeah, the, the support assistants, everyone knows what they're doing, everyone has the the, the um, the tools and the skills and the learning provided to them, so that um, that that's how they get that consistency. Um, Practically speaking, at one of the schools, what was one thing that you can share with us that you liked when you saw it? It's not a classroom-related one, but the, the staff culture thing was big, um, and our school has a pretty good staff culture. But there were they they made a big uh, there was a big emphasis on that as being the foundation, which which makes total sense. Um, you know, teachers that are that are happy in the workplace and and feel valued and um, you know are going somewhere with their learning will will be better in the classroom, which will translate to better outcomes for the kids. Um, so even just some small uh, kind of tweaks with with school culture stuff, whether that be um, staff events or lunches and birthdays, um, that I think was actually really important. And again, you, you need solid foundations for all of this stuff that we're trying to do to um, to work because it's it's a big job. We're making big changes. Um, it is overwhelming um, at times and there's a lot to learn and, and sometimes it can feel like not too much. Um, what are we doing here? But I, if we really look after that side of things, um, you just keep going, right, where are we at? What do we, what may we need to change to try and, you know, help with those feelings of being overwhelmed or um, feeling like there's too much? Uh, really look after the staff and, and our culture and well-being um, and and I feel the rest will, will follow. What intervention structures do you use for those students who require some scaffolding or additional support? Um, yeah, so based on the response to intervention model, continued focus on, on that tier one level stuff, um, which may include in just in-class interventions that the teacher can provide on the spot throughout the lesson, um, our use of explicit teaching and, and gradual re uh, release model, I do, we do, you do, which is not linear. We go back and forth, back and forth. Um, through constant monitoring and checks for understanding, we can see then and there, oh, this guy needs needs a little bit more help with this. Let's do another practice question. Let's include you know a bit more of this in our daily review. We're kind of able to really um, target <clears throat> a lot of stuff in that fashion um, and then if that's still not working um, our dibbles dibbles progress monitoring has been a game changer this um, in relation to reading um, which means that we can really target uh, any further interventions tier two and tier three level um, directly where we where we need uh, where we need it a big game changer has been the use of the dibbles progress monitoring um, uh, tests data collection. Um, we initially, as with other schools, just started with the benchmark testing, beginning, middle and end of year, which was fantastic. Um, it was uh, certainly much more than what we had, gave us some really uh, great data across uh, well, K to 6 actually. We, we soon after um, started uh, using the Dibbles tools for, for years 3 and six, three to 6, as well as um, year 7 and 8 in high school. Um, and this year we've been delving more into the progress monitoring um, aspects. Um, of dibbles and that has just really helped us keep our finger on the pulse uh, between the benchmarking periods 
um, so that we can make changes to our interventions if we see that they're they're not working. So if the trajectory um, is not uh, you know on track for for the next goals that we've chosen for those children, um, we're able to make some changes. Whether it's adjusting the content um, of of our intervention, the intensity. Um, or the frequency, um, so that they're they're on track for for target. And we don't get get a surprise next benchmarking period to go. Oh, they didn't quite make it. Um, we're able to to constantly make changes um, to to be hopefully meeting as many targets as we can for as many kids. We had a really amazing breakthrough. Um, this is an example: uh, one child in kindy last year was coming out um, for for what was a really sound intervention program, but just was not. Um, Retaining the information uh, was making no no progress, basically. Um, and we ended up just adjusting the frequency throughout the day. So instead of him doing that once a day, he did that, that same lesson three times a day. And within a matter of weeks, he'd gone from not being able to uh, remember even the first four letter sounds um, introduced in foundation initially to, to having 15 to 20 under his belt. Um, and he's just been coming in leaps and bounds. From there, and that was just through the monitoring in between times, um, and we we were at a stage of going, oh, what what do we do? Um, it's not working. Uh, but just with that that constant use of the data, and then making changes to the interventions, and then again monitoring to see if they worked, we um, we we were on the money with him. So let's just jump back again, just to clarify. You had a student, kindy student, that you didn't just do one intervention for the day. It, you did the same intervention. Three, Three times, times yes. Yeah. So day. that, so that um, to, to beat the forgetting curve for him, um, we were just finding took us a while to, to happen upon this. Um, that was kind of in term three when, when things were starting to get a bit hairy. Um, and, yeah, I thought, right, we'll, we'll, let's see. We were kind of confident that what we were doing with him was, was sound, um, so the content was fine. Um, the, the length of the lessons, the um, duration of the, of the sessions were um, reasonable, we thought. Um, not too long, not too short. So yeah, we just played around with the the frequency throughout the day, and um, and for him that was yeah that was. How long did that take? That was within um, within a term. So then we had um, we had term four to continue on that, and is yep yeah, kicking goals. Um, so that's been an amazing success story. It's been really affirming um, for all of the hard work put in by the teacher and the. Um, Have you used that strategy? For other people, yeah, we are now, and that still certainly is um, something we're still learning. And and for each child, it it's it's different. It's it's not as if we've got the magic bullet all the time. But at least we now know um, if things aren't working, um, some things that we can try instead of you know scratching our heads and pulling our hair out, going, it's not working. I'm not sure what to do. Um, and and again, coming back to that data, um, it's it's not a dirty word anymore. Collecting data, it's really useful. Um, when we use it in the right way um, and, and collecting the right data, that, that yeah, as I said, we can have our finger on the pulse all of the time um, and and make adjustments to, to what we're doing um, to accelerate these kids. So we do have a range of, um, of intervention options, um, small group and one-on-one, mini-lit sage, mac-lit. Um, we also um, or help uh, support uh, personalised intervention for, for certain kids if, if we feel that those programs aren't quite what they need, um, particularly uh, some of the older older children um, decoding multisyllabic words, um, having strategies for when they when they hit a big word, what to do, how do I break it down into syllables, um, how can I play around with the vowel sounds so that I can then 
um, have a go at, at decoding that word if they know their letter sounds. A lot of them will get stuck when they hit a big word, but if they've got uh, practice with skills and strategies for, for how to break that down, um, they can then access those more challenging texts. Um, repeated reading interventions, we've had um, great success with that. Scaffolding um, kind of access to more challenging texts for our older readers who um, instructionally would be reading um, much simpler texts, but then they're missing out on um, the complex vocabulary sentence structures of um, of their grade level texts. So through supported sessions, um, we we preload the vocab, um, use those um, polysyllabic decoding strategies, um, and then do repeated reading sessions so that they uh, know what it feels like to read these complex texts with um, with uh, a good reading rate, prosody, um, and and then gain confidence in um, in in reading fluently with a text that yeah, as I said, they wouldn't wouldn't be able to access on their own. Um, Charting reading progress, so for fluency, um, has been another really successful uh, intervention strategy. So the the children can see uh, visually. The you know they, if we're doing reading rate, for example, reading fluency, um, what they got in this session, we can um, plot that on the chart, set a goal for next time, and and see uh, and they can see their growth. And that even in the space of a, a week or two with those kids really excites them about. Uh, setting goals and, and working towards and it gives them something tangible to so work towards. Practically speaking, in what does that look like for our audience? If they wanted if they liked that idea, what would they be doing? What text would they be using? What chart do they would they be using to sort of track that on? Yeah, there's um, with a quick internet search you can um, Google that uh, reading charting reading rate or um, or graphing, you know, reading fluency. Um, but basically just a words per minute and you, you would um, choose the, the scale depending on um, on where that, that child's at uh, and then, you know, a date or how many reading sessions along the um, along the bottom axis. Um, choose a text. We've also experimented um, with a few things um, using AI, maybe a grade-level text that incorporates the, the vocab from our novel, those sorts of things, but um, the Dibbles progress monitoring texts are um, useful or any other grade-level text, um, and then, yeah, as I said, preloading the vocab, and there's lots of sessions that that might run over. Are these students doing the reading with you or another another student? Uh, yeah, so with me, and that's one thing that I've um, worked on with our classroom support assistants, kind of building their capacity to um, to understand that kind of structure, um, and, and now they, they will run similar sessions with um, with our students as well. And going over the vocab, um, scaffolding the the decoding, and then um, and then reading for fluency, which involves a lot of of modelling from us. Um, I read, then you read. Um, whether that's sentence by sentence or paragraph by paragraph, we um, we kind of mix it up, and we use the same text for for a number of of times, obviously. Um, and then the the children gain more confidence with that, and then are able to read. Um, yeah, read with fluency and expression, um, and just the it. That's been really brilliant to see their um, feeling of accomplishment when they're able to read a text that they they know they would not have been able to on their own um, because their instructional level is is um, is not quite there yet. So how do you work with your learning support team to improve reading outcomes? Yeah, that um, said after seeing a couple of these schools uh, in Perth and just how um, holistic their approach was from from the support workers up, and these these are the people that 
we generally put with the most vulnerable students. They're the ones taking them out for groups. They're the ones that, you know, they come in to help in the classroom and the teacher pops them with a group that needs more support. And yet they're the ones with um, the least experience. Um, we're getting all the PL, which is fantastic. Um, and then we have these people working with um, with these children who, who need the most support. So um, really valuing their role um, and, and the role that, they, yeah, the, the role that they play with helping us help the students um, meet their goals. I think um, I've got some ideas for next year. It's kind of ad hoc um, the way it's been this this year, just with busyness and, and not having a, um, a structured process in place. But I'd really like to, to develop a bit of a scope and a sequence um, for professional learning for our classroom support um, assistants. Um, a lot of it's been responsive this year, just going right. So that that child in kindergarten, for example, radio guys, let's um, let's dive into this. And and we you know we went through um, blending strategies, for example, for him. Going right, the blending's not quite working. Uh, let's try. Have you heard of continuous phonation? Let's try that or additive blending. Here's another way that you can um, support you know this child to blend. So it's been that kind of response so far. But I'd I think I'd like to develop a bit of an overview for the year of of um, of content um, that that we'd cover with with our support assistants um, during meeting times, um, you know the, the the five big ideas of reading. They they have a be superficial knowledge, um, and now just with my own learning, realizing how um, how long we've needed to do it for it to be really embedded. Um, I think something like that that's sustained and continuous um, for our support staff will really. Uh, benefit them, but provide yeah provide them with the tools for um, supporting our students. Do you talk about dibbles with your support staff? Yeah, all the time. We love dibbles, um, and in fact, that's kind of where our momentum started with the learning support team. Um, particularly in primary, that was um, a newish sort of concept for them, especially being out of the loop with a lot of the learning that, that went on with initially in in our infants classes um yep we're we're all the time on on the dibbles um data analysis tool um looking at the the progress monitoring graphs checking trajectories of kids um looking at the you know the goal that that each child needs you know for for fluency to meet end of year benchmark for example um and kind of going right what can we what do we need to change or tweak um to to go back when we work with these kids in order for them to be on track so do you meet weekly with your learning support team? Um, informally, yes. We talk all the time before school, during breaks. That's that's in reality when most of it happens. Um, we do try and have um, like a structured meeting time. Um, a couple of times a term, every three weeks is probably realistic, but again, things um, <clears throat> come up invariably. It doesn't always happen. Um, we've got another one scheduled tomorrow just for... Um, squeezing the, every last teachable moment out of term four. Um, we'll have our new round of, of monitoring data in and, and um, kind of give point us in the right direction for the home stretch. Again, I'd like to formalise that process a bit more so that it, it doesn't go by the wayside or doesn't, you know, not happen because things get busy because I really think their their role is invaluable. Um, and and working so hard to, to meet these goals with our children, that, that's part got to be part of the plan. So are these meetings somewhat a workshop at, at some times? Yeah, yeah, they certainly have been um, a lot of, of data analysis, but then, yeah, the, the bits then where we have to go, all right, well, well here's the data, what what do we do next? Um, does involve, for example, the blending um, example I gave you. Um, 
if if that you know appears to be the the issue with the non word reading or children that are you know not be able not able to move beyond um, segmenting the word into blending, we might go right here are some strategies. Um, have a look. I'll show you what I you know would do with the children. Um, go back and give it a go, and then we we check in um, throughout the week and see how things went. We have provided opportunities um, at staff meetings, and we've given the opportunity and and. Our um, classroom support teachers have generously given their time, seeing as they don't they don't work beyond um, our school hours. Um, but we've had a lot of um, really useful PL in some afternoon meetings, which they've attended um, voluntarily, just so that they're in the loop with um, with what we're learning as teachers. Uh, when we've had our literacy specialists from CE come out, we've timetabled. Um, scheduled time in so that they can uh, observe. So Jess came out one day, observed Jess working with um, with their reading groups and then they switched over um, with Jess observing and giving feedback um, and and then she, you know, would send through other supporting materials and resources that they could try. So really bringing them into the fold um, with professional development um, is, yep, yeah, something we're working on, certainly um, got a bit of work to do to, to formalise it, I think. Um, but I, yeah, I, I certainly can see the value. They can see the value um, and are so keen to learn. We might have covered this already, but with the shift in reading assessment and knowing what each child can and can't do with reading, how do you support teachers to use the Dibbles data? Um so again, we've had a lot of support from uh, from CE. We kind of have a look at where we're at, have a look at our data, look at the bits that we've, you know, been able as a school to kind of go, yep, we've we've really turned that around. The whole class strategies um, are still a focus. Um, for example, and, and we did have, or do have data, K to 8 now, which gave us a really, um, really insight, really insightful snapshot um, as to trends, uh, reading fluency, for example, was something that stood out, um, wasn't terrible, but we could see that um, there was enough kind of in each year level that that warranted um, a K to eight approach um, and a classroom focus. Really, uh, that was a problem, not a problem, a um, a trend that was bigger than or beyond. You know, not a not a withdrawal intervention um, solution. It it needed a classroom focus. Um, so reading fluency was something that we. Um, have been working on this year. Um, Jess from CE helped with that. We developed a, a whole school um, agreed practice around daily fluency, um, even though ideally beyond year two um, we'd have that, you know, um, under our belts down the track, but until we get that flow on from um, from the K-2 space um, with initial it, we, we identified that we needed to be working on that beyond. So we have a daily fluency focus in all of our classrooms. Um very excited to see our end of year dibbles benchmarking to see the impacts of that. But um, anecdotally, the teachers are they're noticing a difference um, already. So yeah, I guess it's things like that, identifying trends um, within the class and going right. What can we? How can we tackle this? Or is it appropriate to tackle it, it from a classroom level? Or right here, we've got this this small group here. How can I fit in time throughout the day? Again, that's an important thing. I think that the teachers. Um, are having time with these children. So yes, some of them need to come out um, in a withdrawal situation, but um, for the teacher to have the pulse, their finger on the pulse of, of these children and be working with them daily so that they're um, up to date. They're the ones that, you know, we need to speak to their parents more often, be writing PPs. So 
the teacher kind of needs to be in the loop with um, with how they're progressing, um, not just kind of us taking them out, um, working on things and then and not really knowing what we do when we're out there. That still remains a challenge, the, the time to kind of feedback both ways from the classroom teacher to the um, support group teacher and vice versa. Um, we, a lot of it is, you know, before school at break times, um, fitting things in, that's it's the factor with, with most things we do really, isn't it? Fitting it in, finding the time. Um, but also, but I think that's that's alleviated um, some of that pressure when we're um, through, you know, our checking for understanding, um, changing up some of the, the structures for doing group work, for example, going, well, can that teacher, is there an opportunity for our teachers to be spending time um, with with these children who, who really need the support on a daily or every couple of day basis um, so that they really are, are over where they're at as well. Listeners, I've also had the opportunity to chat with a couple of classroom support assistants during my visit to St. Patrick's. We're just going to jump to my brief conversation with Lisa and Alicia now. Lisa, how do you use the student data to support the intervention process? Well, with the data, when we see the graphs, I work with the kids in the red. So um, sometimes I don't sleep very well at night worrying about the kids in the red and I have to get them out of the red. But Steph is always there to help and support me. And if it's not working, we'll talk about what we can do um, that's going to work faster to get them out of the red. Um, And that's what I like about the data. The colour scheme actually (laughs) is really good for me um, visually. Um, and how hard we have to work to get them out of that zone as well. Um, Steph is amazing with how she timetables everything. I've never seen someone with 60 million tabs open on a laptop, um, but Steph seems to manage that really well. And she can, if I go in there and she's flat busy, which she's always flat busy all the time, I can go in and say, hey, I I have a problem with this uh, student. What can I do uh, to make it easier and better for him or her to get out of the red? Um, And that's important when sometimes you're thinking that this isn't working and then Steph comes with a solution and you're back on track. And that's important to me going forward. So how has your practice changed with Steph's support and the start of Catalyst? Mm, Quite a lot. Um, I guess I have a clear direction of what I'm doing in my role um, more than any other time I've worked as a CSA um, you know exactly what you have to do from day to day. Every minute of the day is accounted for. Um, every lunch hour is accounted for. There's always someone on the, you know, at lunchtime that needs help um, with something. Um, it's just given me more direction, I guess, and more responsibility um, and more accountability. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I do. It, I feel like it's um, enhanced my role a lot more than what it was. Alicia, what does Steph do to support your role as a classroom support assistant? Well, for me, I think it's the trust factor. Steph trusts us 100% in what we do every day. She involves us in the bigger picture. You know, we aren't just little minions that are coming in to do our job where we're at the heart and the soul of the school Uh, involvement. One of those things, for example, is dibbles. So I think for me personally, I'm involved in that 
quite heavily. Uh, I love the data. And then once we hone in on to that particular data, then we can we know exactly where each student is. It might not be across all areas of Dibbles, but if to say, for instance, it's uh, oral reading fluency, you know, that we can go to that in particular child, hone in on that um, with, I guess, fluency, daily fluency, repetition. Uh, I think Steph supports us in that quite heavily. How does Steph do this? She sits with us, actually, analyzes the data. She explains us how, what Dibbles is, why we use it, how we use it. And um, yeah, I, I just, you know, wholeheartedly invest her time in us to in, improve us as, you know, as support workers with our, with our kids. What does it look like when you're working with the data? Yeah, like it's quite broad, really. You can see um, as a like if you're just honing into one whole class, you you can see exactly who's in the blue, who's in the red, yellow, green, um, and you see where they are as a like to where their their benchmark is, I guess you know. And if they, if they're at benchmark, that's awesome. Uh, if they're below benchmark, then she will put in strategies in place to help us with those kids. So whether or not it's coming up with the resources that we use, uh, timetabling it into our timetable every day, uh, just so we can meet with those kids and yeah, just get down. In your experience, what have you found helpful in your role? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it also comes down to knowledge sharing. Mm. You know, we, we're not just a one man band. We're absolutely a team. Thanks to Steph. I think that Mm. she's created like, I don't know, I hope you don't mind me using, but it's, it's a bit like a family in a sense here. We, we are that family and I don't think anyone is threatened Mm. by knowledge or threatened that, you know, Lisa, you might know more than me or I might know more than you. I think when we have that knowledge, we're happy to share it. You mm. know, we're happy to, if, if someone's new and they need to look at the data, th- th- there's no secret there. This mm. is, uh, I, I love data. Mm. I think. It's good that you love the data. It helps me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, definitely one. I think we're a family. Mm. I think we all work very well together, to be honest. Mm. So listeners, you've just heard from Lisa and Alicia, classroom support assistants at St. Patrick's Primary School in Cooma. Jumping now back to my conversation with Steph. So you've spoken about the data before. Generally speaking, what's your data revealed and what can you put the progress down to? Um, It has revealed the absolute importance of a really strong year in kindergarten. Um, And just within, you know, 18 months, two years of of implementing Initialit, um, we saw great changes. And it, it wasn't that we were doing a bad job before. We're just now doing an amazing job and that, um, is really apparent um, in looking at the the fewer number of children moving into year one that require support, and within that group, the gaps are, are generally smaller than they were. Um, so it's less of a job to be to be closing them in. But um, from the moment they step in here to kindergarten, closing small gaps as soon as they appear, and that that doesn't have to look like a, a withdrawal group or mini lit. Um, did they? they get it? No, they didn't. Right, let's go over it again. Um, and sometimes if you pounce on it straight away, that can be alleviated within a week or two. Extra practice, um, you know, maybe popping out with a parent helper here, um, something extra with a the teacher there, and then on they go. So we've, we've, um, yeah, really kind of getting better at nailing um, 
putting the work in as soon as we see that that, that the children are not um, learning or demonstrating whatever it is that we've taught um, and and that yeah, as I said takes the pressure off the need for a withdrawal type um, support which still may happen but as I said the gaps are, are um, not as not as big and the number of children requiring it are fewer. So yeah, really solid year in kindy and we have amazing kindergarten teachers that um, that are just set, really setting up these kids for um, for strong foundations in the rest of their education. Um, and as I mentioned before, uh, something that the data revealed, for example, were, were trends. Um, so fluency was one that we noticed um, K, to, K to 8 um, was an area for growth and we've been able to implement kind of a whole school um, response to that. Steph, what other insights can you share from your trip to Perth? Um, yep, so aside from the, the consistency, keep coming back to that, that was was massive and I suppose um, the things that we are working on to achieve that consistency ourselves, um, the wholeness, the whole holistic approach from not just um, upskilling the staff but our specialist teachers, relief teachers, um, library teachers, learning support staff, I think that kind of is key for this consistency, um, very often, you know, other people have to step in to take the class. We have changes. So, you know, in an ideal world, it'd be the teacher there with the children all the time. We're chopping and changing for various reasons and we want the process to be seamless. So if we've got teacher on leave, the relief teacher steps in and is across, um, across our philosophy, then the learning for the children, um, doesn't stop seamless and with the the urgency um, that we must now be teaching with because it is it's a big job and time is of the essence it means that we don't lose any time you know transitioning to another teacher um, and our relief teachers we're lucky we've got um, a, a consistent reliable little pool of relief teachers who are also slowly with there's work to do there too I think but um, working to upskill them as well they very often attend our uh, staff meetings, certainly our, our PL days um, <clears throat> when we have student-free days and um, we made time, for example, uh, when we had some CE support out with the Catalyst onboarding that, that everyone got at least a session. Um, Trazel ran a session of Catalyst onboarding with our relief teachers so that they were um, you know, in the mix and a lot more across. They're kind of otherwise just getting bits and pieces from what they, they see and hear in our programming, but I think that was another key aspect of making sure that everybody uh, everybody is um, on a continual kind of PL learning journey. Um, another big thing that, that came that I was hearing from the schools, we're not asking teachers to change hugely, just but to do what we do even better. And I think that mindset going, we're not... Um, we're not, we don't not value what you already bring to the table and all the experience you have, but I think just having that mindset of um, being open to new learning and responding to um, evidence um, and responding to that as it changes, if and when it changes, is um, is is kind of where it's all at. So, yeah, the on, onboardness um, of everybody, commitment to ongoing PL for everybody um, and, and accountability around that. Um, both for the students and the teachers, but um, as mentioned earlier, with that's got to be the high support. We saw some, uh, we saw some remarkable leadership teams and remarkable leaders when we were over there, and got to hear from them specifically. When we would arrive at the school, they would talk about their school and talk about the implementation process and reflect on some of the data that they um, 
generated and um, the improvements in this in that space. Um, are you able to talk about one of those in particular? Um, yes, uh, Ray Boyd, Principal Ray Boyd, stood out. Um, and uh, since returning from Perth, I've um, you know watched webinars that he's he's held, read um, publications. He was a real uh, mover and shaker um, in in WA, um, and at a time without you know without what we have the system support um, and kind of getting the turnaround um, in his schools was would have been challenging. Um, and you know a lot of pushback um, from from teachers, understandably, kind of turned things on their head. Um, and and he was like a dog with a bone um, with his goals and vision. Um, but at the same time, made sure that there were structures in place so that staff were supported, but didn't waver from his commitment to um, this continual improvement. Um, you know, based on on reading science and and learning science um, and high impact strategies. So uh, stuck it out. Um, supported, you know, his staff to to accomplish that, but was um, unapologetic um, about his his resolve to to make these changes. Um, and a, a quote that I did write down from him: um, "It's not rocket science; um, it's bloody hard work." And I think acknowledging that, but supporting staff as much as we can um, is is part of it. And and just with that mindset going, yep, it will, and it will get better with time. And I suppose we're like the children in the learning pit that. I think the more we reflect on our own learning, the way that we do on our children's, that's how they feel in, you know, in the bottom of the learning pit. Things are a bit confusing. And then, you know, as teachers, we scaffold and support to get them out the other side. We're, we're kind of doing that for our ourselves. Um, He's a remarkable man and his leadership team too. Yeah, very inspirational. Them. Yeah. Um, and again, it was hard to kind of bring all of that back and, and share with our staff the, kind of the impact that had on on me and, and my teaching and kind of seeing where we fit um, in this journey, I, I, that was not something that I could um, could kind of relay as as clearly as it was being over there, and you would you would attest to that as well. But um, <clears throat> again, I think it's um, heartening to know that we're we're in a good place, we're in the right place, and these feelings of um, of being really busy, this is hard, there's a lot to learn, it's overwhelming, is um, is a normal part of doing something new and and learning something new. And that with time, and we're seeing that already each year, it, we kind of get better at um, doing certain things and then we take on something else and, and just keep stepping it up. But I think as long as we're continually coming back to um, the, the Catalyst Bold goals and, and our vision as a school, we can keep aligning and, and reaffirming what we're doing, um, going, yep, we're on the right track. Um, if it's getting a bit difficult, what might we need um, to maintain that accountability but also to make sure the support's there so that, that staff are comfortable um, in that journey. So Steph, what processes do you have in place to support the new kindergarten enrolments at the start of the year? Uh, that's another thing that we're um, doing, changing things, changing the way we do things. Uh, we've, we keep some fairly comprehensive um, notes and records which we get started very early on in the in the year before the, the children come to kindergarten. Um, when they, they come to big steps, our first uh, big steps, which is, you know, come and come and have a go at kindergarten, happens in term two, which uh, seems early, but we've found um, over the last couple of years that, that starting it uh, early on and just regularly throughout the year has really helped with the transition 
when they do come um, for real uh, the following year. But it also means that we have a lot of opportunity to uh, do observations, talk with the preschools, uh, even parents, if there's already been early identification of uh, any learning needs or difficulties, we can start compiling um, our records and also planning our support for the following year so that we're we're starting on the front foot. So as part of that, we uh, we speak with and liaise with, with the wellbeing officers for any potential um, support that we might need to support these children if they if they come with high needs um, or you know, numerous diagnoses. Uh, so I guess that's just another layer of um, data collection. It's not all dibbles. There's there's lots of different data that we collect, and we've found that uh, this to be really valuable. Again, that kindergarten year is uh, the importance is enormous, and if we can use every teachable moment, utilise our resources uh, to get value for money from the very beginning, uh, we get the best outcomes for the uh, for the children. Um, so yeah, early identification, um, documenting, um, t- talking with external providers, maybe speech, OT, we get all that information and yeah, can best support the kids from the word go. So Steph, what do you know now that you didn't know before? And what do you do now that you didn't do before? Um... Lots of kind of jargon, terminology, definitions, but I now can see where everything fits in. Um, Rosenshine's principles, um, Engelman's direct instruction, project follow through, the the research um, and evidence base that that has been there for decades. Um, direct instruction, big di, little di, all of those components that I can now see uh, in um, in our catalyst um, way of doing things um, is the pennies dropped on a lot of that, seeing how it fits in, that it is, it's not different. It's all based on the same um, principles of, of learning, how we learn, cognitive load, learn, sorry, cognitive load theory, information processing. I kind of can see where that all fits now and why we do it, which is um, really helpful in doing something, not just because we're told to, but if you can understand the why, um, then then why wouldn't you? Um, my biggest takeaway really has, is just to be a, a discerning engager with information with what's put in front of me um, rather than just blindly doing something because someone said, where's the evidence? Uh, that should should be our mantra. Um, and then if, if it passes that check, then does it align with our vision and goals? If not, we don't need it. That's going to you know clog things up. If so, then it's worth doing and, and we find a way to, um, to bring it on board. Um, so yeah, I guess engaging with the research instead of just trusting the middleman, um, and there, there's certainly a disconnect between research and um, classroom practice and research that has been available for a very long time. It just wasn't certainly wasn't anything that I was um, engaged with in my early years of teaching or at university for that matter. Um, and then finding a way kind of around that to make it accessible for teachers um, to support their practice. Um, and yeah, so that, I mean, that's part of a, a wider issue, but there's certainly things at a, a school level that, that we can and, and do put into place um, for teachers to be constantly engaged with um, with recent research, staying abroad and abreast of um, of what's happening in education so that we can uh, be responsive and, and continue to make good decisions for our students. Thanks for your time today, Steph, and thanks for sharing with us everything about your role and about your school here. It's been really great to talk with you today. Uh, thanks, Luke, for having me. Yep, I, um, it's exciting times. It's certainly um, the most exciting 
time in my teaching career. I really um, have a lot, um, a lot of people to thank the school and the system um, for where I'm at and the opportunities that um, I've been provided. Thanks for joining us on Teacher Insights. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, check out the website catalyst.cg.catholic.edu.au. Until next time, keep learning.